The reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 1 through to verse 12. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your presence with us. So take my words and speak through them. And take our hearts and our minds and think through them. Take our hearts again and set them on fire with love for you. Amen. Gold, our theme for this morning. What do you think of when you hear that word? It's impossible, isn't it? Not to think of the gold medals that all those Olympic athletes covet. They all want one because it will tell the world that they're the best. But gold will have other resonances for us in in the Western world today. Because rich or poor, we all know the value of gold from a financial point of view. Gold bars are what we rely on to keep the banks afloat. It's valuable. The whole world knows the advantage of being able to command the ownership of gold. And people will do all kinds of extreme things to get hold of it. 
Stories of what people were prepared to endure in the gold rush, for instance. Tales of intrigue at the highest levels and not just tales about today. Gold has always led people to give everything, to have it in their possession. I don't have a lot of it. I have my wedding ring, that's gold. And I also wear my mother's wedding ring as well. Gold can be very symbolic of other things. It's precious, it's powerful, and it's costly. But this morning I want to talk about something that's far, far more important than gold, mere gold. Today begins a series of sermons in 1 Peter, a letter written to people who were having a difficult time because they were Christian believers. Peter, and I'm simply going to take it that Peter the Apostle wrote the letter, is writing to Christians all over what is now Turkey. They're a dispersed group of people and they're under persecution. And this is the essential background to understanding this letter because there's a great deal about suffering in it. It wasn't easy being a Christian in these times. And the author of the letter knows that all too well. Scattered abroad and suffering for their faith, Peter's writing to encourage them, to build them up and to urge them to keep going. How's he going to do it? Well, he wants them to know that whatever they're going through, it's worth it. So Peter describes for them some of the vital and precious truths about their faith to encourage them, to strengthen them in their resolve to remain faithful when suffering tempts them to give up. He writes to tell them that their faith is more precious than gold. And just how precious is what I want to explore with you this morning. Christian faith is far, far more than gold. It's more permanent than gold. It's more durable than gold. It's more powerful than gold itself. And it's more certain even than solid gold. First, it's more precious. We don't know a lot about the people who received this letter, but we do know this about them. And if you look at the opening words of the letter, you'll see that they have been chosen. They've been destined by God, verse 2. That is, they've been set aside by God in advance. How did that happen? Again, in verse 2, we see that they have been sanctified in the Spirit. Chosen, destined, sanctified. That's true for every Christian. And all for a precious and important purpose, for obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. We discover all that in the opening words of this little letter. And when the going gets hard and the goal of our faith seems a long, long way off, we need to know that we too are chosen, that we're destined that we're sanctified by the Holy Spirit 
for obedience and for sprinkling with Christ's precious blood. Who are we, really? We're constantly being pigeonholed, aren't we, by other people's categories. What do you do? Which school did you go to? Where do you live? Even where you spend your holidays. But our true identity rests not on things like that, but on our standing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Christian identity is based on the fact that we too have been chosen by God's mercy for a purpose. That's very, very precious indeed. There's a foundry, the Pangolin Foundry, near Stroud that casts works of art in in bronze, but also in silver and gold. And when there's a gold item that they're working on, the artists all wear white overalls. And when they've finished work for the day, they take their overalls off and they leave them at the foundry to be washed there because they'll be covered in a kind of gold dust. And no one wants to waste or lose any of that precious gold simply because it is precious. And so is our faith, more precious than gold. Secondly, it's permanent. We're not chosen one day and thrown away the next, cast aside. God doesn't change his mind like that. Peter addresses the recipients of this letter as exiles, people who are not at home, not really deeply at home in this world because they're destined somewhere else. We're passing through and we too are destined for a more permanent home somewhere else. When I came to live in Oxford from North Yorkshire with my husband and son, and you'll hear I'm not from around here, it's exactly five years ago that we came, and I got into the habit of telling people that I was an exile. I was a northerner living in the south, and I was terribly conscious of it. And it felt like that for a long time. Over the years, I've got used to feeling at home here, and I've stopped telling people that I'm an exile. I suppose that's a good thing, unless you're a Yorkshireman. But whenever I go back to Yorkshire, I'm reminded of my roots, where I belong, if you like. How much more do I need reminding of my roots in the kingdom of God? A kingdom which, according to Peter, has already begun through the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Verse 3 sets it out for us and tells us what that means. A new birth into a living hope, into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. You can't get much more permanent than that. Many people in the world today are watching their inheritance, whether it's in the bank or somewhere else, trickling away. Our inheritance as God's chosen is permanent. The fact that this living hope begins here and now, however, means that it must be tough because at present God's salvation is partially not fully realized on this earth. 
So faith, thirdly, must be durable. We all know that gold has to be purified. It's refined through intense heat. Pure gold is gold that's been tried and tested until all the dross has been burned away. The Olympic athletes who get the gold medals will be the ones who have striven for it. It doesn't come without a struggle. And Peter knew that these Christians were struggling. They were struggling because they were followers of Jesus. They were being persecuted. And so he likens their faith to gold tested in the fire, acknowledging that faith in Christ doesn't come without cost. We don't know what that persecution was, but Peter is keen to assure them that the genuineness of their tried and tested faith will result in praise and honor and glory given to God. What's he doing here? I think Peter is pointing these folk away from their suffering towards the one to whom they've committed themselves to help them endure in hard times. We follow a risen Lord, but he only achieved this victory over death for us because he too was prepared to suffer. He was prepared to pay the price of sin and die on a cross. And so we look to him, our savior, who is one who has suffered. And we look away from our own suffering and find our faith strengthened. Any durability on our part is well matched by the commitment of God in Christ towards us. Turning away from our own predicaments and fixing our eyes on Jesus is the best way I know to make our faith more durable. Don't we too long to be like Peter's readers who though they've never seen God, they love him, they believe in him and they rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, Peter says. So gold is durable, but our faith too needs to be durable. But not only is faith more durable than gold, it's more powerful. Gold talks, gold opens doors, and no doubt Peter's readers felt small and weak and insignificant. Exiles have little power in an alien land. But they've put their faith in one who raises the dead. One who bestowed such riches, the end of this little section says, that even angels were straining to see what was going on. And that brings me to the final more than. Christian faith is more precious, it's more permanent, it's more durable, more powerful, and finally, it's more certain. It's far more real. Gold, of course, is solid. Someone sees a gold bar, something gleaming, something very solid. How can something as ethereal as faith in someone we can't even see match that? But it can. Peter is in no doubt at all. Although you have not seen him, he reminds his readers, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him 
and rejoice. These people had no problem putting their confidence in someone they couldn't see because they knew in their experience that he was real and they believed in the truth of what their living hope told them. Is that true for us too? Do we know in our hearts that we too are receiving the outcome of our faith as well as assenting to it in our heads? Our hearts and our heads need to be in harmony here. When I was a little girl, a missionary came to talk to us at our church about his life in Africa. He'd gone out there with his young wife and they'd had a family. And this was in the 1960s, the early 60s, and they were in a part of Africa that was very remote and very difficult for white people to cope with. One day his little girl got sick and she died. There was no hospital close by to get her to. And this man had to bury her himself where they were. It broke his heart. And some years later, he wrote a booklet about it, about that experience, and he reflected on his life as a, as a missionary and his faith in a faithful God. He called the booklet More Precious Than Gold. It was an ambiguous title, of course, but this man had learned through great testing to put his trust in a living hope that was indeed more precious more permanent, more durable, more powerful, and more real than gold. We won't all get gold medals in this life. We won't all own a vault full of gold bars, I guess. But as we watch the Olympics, whether on TV or in reality, may every single gold medal that's handed out in the next few weeks be a real reminder to us of the value of something that is far, far more precious than that. Amen.